Your breath and love. 
Good morning, friends. As you are, are seated, we are just so glad that you're here with us. And in Jeremiah 20, 13, in Jeremiah 20, 13, it says to sing to the Lord, to praise the Lord, for he has delivered us from our oppressors. He has rescued us from our oppressors. And if you came in this morning needing rescue from a situation of yourself, I encourage you that we are gonna take this time to make our voice and our praise a weapon. So as we stand together, let's do that and let's sing to our Father.
Good morning online and here in the room this morning. What a great thing to be able to gather together. Here's what we're doing at First Presbyterian Church. We're build, building real relationships with God and with each other. And what happens is transformation. Real relationships becomes transformational relationships in our lives. And that's what we're about, all about. And we've been working on creating space, margin, room for God to go to work on us because we've been fighting to give ourselves time and room and space in these weeks that we've been working. We're going to keep on working on it today. We're going to find a way to slow down a little bit and give God some place in our life where God can change us, a real relationship with God that results in real transformation. That's why we're here. Delighted online and in the room. If you're a person who hasn't let us know that you're a part of us, we'd love for you to tell us we have this thing called a Connect card. You can QR code it right now or you can go online later and fill it out. It just gives us a way to know that you're a part of who we are and we'll do our best to help you connect in real relationships that can become a part of a real transformation in your life. That's why we're all here. I'm gonna pray, and I should say this ahead of time, I think your heart is broken as is mine about what's going on over in Europe. And I say very little that's political other than I want all of us to be focused on the kingdom, and so I belong to the kingdom of Jesus party. But man, I'm just going to tell you, this is just evil. That's my view. And I'm going to pray that way right now. Gracious God, here we are in this room, and lots of people are on our minds, people battling really hard things, cancer, and people who are in relational struggles or financial difficulty. And we list many of them by name, and we have these ribbons here, and we remember all the time Jackie Faircloth, and she's in the seventh year after having had a head injury. And we're just going to continue to pray for the Faircloth family and for Jackie and for all of them as she struggles to connect her body with her mind. But mostly we want to pause now. We don't know what to say. It's just overwhelming. And so our minds and our hearts turn now to the chaos that's happening in Russia and in Ukraine. We know, gracious God, that there are pastors and Christian people in Ukraine who are bravely sticking themselves into harm's way in order to provide refuge, a place to be, a place to hide. So we pray for those people who, and all brave people, and gracious God, somehow we know that you are the God of peace, of justice, of fairness, of self-determination. And somehow we want you to take action. We can remember 1989 when action happened and people caused that wall to come down. It started in a church, just a 20 people, and grew to a quarter of a million. Maybe that can happen in Ukraine, that your people would gather and surge and this would go away. But that's our prayer, gracious God. We're going to connect with you. With our, we're going to choose right now, gracious God, to open ourselves up to you, being present with you in this moment for these next few minutes so that we can connect with you, we connect with each other, and the next thing you know, transformation happens in our lives, and we become more and more people of love so we can go out in the world and love people with the love that you've loved us first. All this in the name of Jesus, the person who rescues us. Amen. Friends, we haven't done this in a while. You have 58 seconds to jump up and say hello to somebody nearby. And I'm counting 57, 56, 55, 54, 53. I saw them.
Good morning again. I counted. That was one minute. Let me welcome you back to let me welcome you back to the platform here. Standing next to me is my friend Matthew Snook, and he wants to tell you about something cool that we're offering you to help you win. Thank you, Fitz. I am Matt Snook. I uh been out west for the last couple weeks, got in at 1.30 this morning, and I'm operating about four hours sleep, which is why I look like a slightly confused cowboy this morning. <laughs> Shaving might not have gone as well as I thought it was going to. Um, I'm excited to come back because I want to tell you about something that's coming up, and I want to tell you a story first. So I'm not a handyman. My wife would be kinder and say, no, you're just busy. I'm not a handyman. So we had our buddy Ray over, and he was fixing this wooden gate on the side of our house comes and knocks on the door and says, there's some crazy stuff going on out here. You need to come look. We have a resident raccoon and a resident black racer, and I thought there might be something going on. No, there was this beautiful cascade of water coming down the side of my house. <laughs> and again, not a handyman, but was pretty sure that one right. <laughs> so um, at any rate, we had a hot water heater that needed some pro had some problems too. So anyway, $6,500 later, our plumbing woes were fixed, but I still had no siding on my house. The point of this story is stuff happens in life, doesn't it, you know? You need all the new tires on the car at the same time that one of the kids needs braces, uh, et cetera. So um, a month from today, March 27th, we are going to be launching a series called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And it's to help you with all that financial stuff of life, whether you need help budgeting, figuring out, Will I ever be able to retire? Or just figuring out how to get through the day-to-day -day when the plumbing happens to you, because it's going to. Um, so March 27th, put it on your calendars. This is a save the date. Nothing more at this point. More information will be coming. But uh, great, great content, and it'll be helpful for everybody, honestly, no matter where you are in life. So I think I've used all four of the two minutes Fitz gave me. So <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. We told you that we knew you wanted us to make room for your friends, and so we're exploring when to start a second service. So we have a plan to redo Sunday morning so that we do it twice, not once, and people can feel comfortable in this room, and more people can get in here because you have friends, and you want them to come, and you want them to be comfortable. So what we're going to do next Sunday night, 60, 75 minutes from 5.30 to 6.45, we're having this big, huge, gigantic Dream Team All-In event. It takes about 20, 22 
volunteers to make a service happen. They're all over the place, parking lot, greeting, ushering, children, band, back in the back. And so we need to make that team bigger. And Kathy and I have been calling people and everybody's so jazzed about it. But just a general invitation. If you would like to be a part of the dream team, we think you'll have to work about once a month, parking a car or greeting people or what have you. We want you to come next Sunday night. You can see it behind me. We can go on the website to register. You go to First Press Tampa, go over to get involved, click down, you'll see dream team all-in event. This is going to be awesome because we're going to make room for more people. Another thing that's going on this week is our Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday uh, from 6 to 6.30. So Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the journey towards Easter. It's the 40 days of Lent is when it starts, and we're really fixing our eyes on the cross together. So we want you to come for this really special 30 minutes of worship. We're going to sing. We're going to hear a message. You'll receive ashes on your head, and it just will be a reminder, instead of seeking after more, like our culture tells us, to begin to focus on less. So we want you to join us. It's kid-friendly. We're not going to have child care. We're just inviting kids to sit right in the service with parents. So that's this Wednesday from 6 to 6.30. Speaking of more and less, every week we take the time to focus on God and his generous heart towards us. Um, he is a God of more, of abundantly more. And as I think about um, more and less in his terms, I think we get it backwards. When we start thinking about more, we're chasing after more things, more technology, more square footage, more food, more apps, whatever it is. We seek after the more of the world. But see, God is the God of the more of our hearts. And what that really means is less of the world and more of him. And so the invitation into that for us is to give our hearts to him. And sometimes it's in the form of generosity with our time, with our leadership, but it's also with our money too. And so as you think about what it means for you to live um, on the more of the God of our hearts, I would invite you to think about uh, giving into the generosity of that. And there are five ways that you can do that within the church here, and we appreciate you. Thanks.
run to you realizing that you are the one. You are the one that is sufficient. You are one are the one that is sufficient for us and we make room for you this moment, Lord. We make room for you as we learn about the hardiness and how it separates us from you. We take this time to focus our hearts and our minds on your word that brings life and truth. We make room for you, Lord. It's in these things that we pray. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Please be seated. There we go. Well, I'm going to have to just be real honest with you this morning. Um, there's something that Fitz always says to me about me. He says that I live my life like I've been shot out of a cannon. <laughs> and I, I have to say there's probably nowhere to hide. It just is pretty true. But I want you to know then I have to be honest about this because I cannot really say that I am ruthlessly eliminating hurry in my life, much less eliminating hurry in my life. So tell me I'm not the only one. Anyone? Okay, thanks a lot. You just hung me out to dry up here. But I will say this, it's, it's more accurate for me to share that I've been experimenting with eliminating hurry in my life. And you've been telling us that you've been doing the same. So I want you to hear what a couple of people in our church have been saying about how this message series to ruthlessly eliminate hurry has been impacting their lives and who they sense that they're becoming. So this series is really encouraging me in the practice of being present and being a high energy person like me, always looking on to doing the next thing, is causing me to pause. And whether I'm in a stressful situation, in a conversation, whether I'm in a traffic jam, wherever I am, I'm just sitting back and being present and in the moment. And this study is really helping me accomplish that. So the uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry is, uh, has tons of great lessons that I've applied to my life and um, really relate to me and I'm sure plenty of others in this stage in their life. But the number one lesson I've taken from it is uh, uh, Jesus' invitation to take his yoke, um, to put our worries onto him and to um, you know go to Jesus when times are, are tough or you're worried or anxious. And um, it's a... It's a special message and I think a lot of us can uh, take a lot from it. Kathy asked me you know what this series on the ruthless elimination of hurry kind of meant to me and I think mostly it's taught me to be more intentional in all my interactions whether that's with God you know taking time in the morning for myself when I get up with my husband you know spending time together not being on our phones when we're sitting on the couch together, you know, really taking those small moments to make intentional efforts um, in life and just, you know, slowing down. I think with the pandemic and with everything going on, I know in my work that 
I feel like constantly bombarded by information and then I'm seeking out, you know, information electronically. And so just kind of really stepping back and realizing that that's not always healthy and, um, you know, taking time for myself, so. This series to me has just meant um, a slower pace, um, unwinding from the, the hurries of life and, and just the book has meant so much um, about slowing down, being less rushed. Good morning. When I think about what this sermon series has taught me, it's really taught me to be present. And I feel like anytime I'm hurried, it's because I'm, I'm stuck in the past or I'm stuck in the future or I'm worried about something and I'm just not present in the moment. So it's really taught me to be present. Um, it's taught me to live on offense. So take control of where I spend my time. And I feel like if I can be present and I can live on offense, then I can let go of outcomes and I can just give the outcomes to God. So that's really what it's been teaching me. It's a work in progress for sure. But um, uh, I've really enjoyed the sermon series and, um, and appreciate uh, First Pres doing it. So this series is really... Can you hear me better now? <laughs> it does. It has a name. It's called hurry sickness. And mental health experts have come up with a list of symptoms, believe it or not, of hurry sickness. I'm going to share some of these with you. First one is irritability. Anyone resonating? Hypersensitivity. That's my personal favorite. I'm an expert there. Restlessness when you actually want to slow down, but you can't relax. Workaholism or nonstop activity, that needs no explanation. Emotional numbness, emotional numbness. You can't even feel what's going on inside of you, much less someone else. Out of order priorities. That's when you feel sucked into the tyranny of the urgent rather than what's really important. Lack of care for your body. Escapist behaviors. That's when we are so tired, we just can't seem to choose what would be the most life-giving thing to do for ourselves. Instead, we turn to the distraction of choice. Less and less quiet times. Prayer, worship on Sundays, reading the Bible. These are often the first things to go when we're busy, when we're hurried. And the last one is isolation, where you feel disconnected from God and other people. And most of us live with sort of this low-grade version of some or all of these things at some point in our lives. But i got to tell you, 
That list is me, and maybe it's you as well. When we live hurried, marginless lives. Because the bottom line is, a hurried, marginless life is toxic. It's toxic. And it leads us to places that are so unhealthy because margin is described as that place, that, that space between our load and our limit. And because of the toxicity of living without that, we begin to feel anxious, which is like a red flag that something is wrong because hurry kills everything important to us. Hurry kills relationships, it kills our health, it kills our joy, it kills our ability to be creative, it even kills our gratitude. And we have to ask ourselves, who am I becoming? So Jesus really has my attention with this because I sense him asking me, Kathy, are you willing to slow down for me and for you. And he has every right to ask me this question because hurry isn't just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And so this isn't about judgment or guilt or shame, but instead in humility we get to be in this moment with a loving Father, God the Father, who wants to help us take a look at what might be disordered in our hearts. And if we're honest, we might discover that Jesus isn't always first. I mean, how can he be first? We hardly have the time to spend with him. We're in way too much of a hurry. But then we hear this gentle, compassionate, yet bold Jesus speak truth into our lives, into our hurried, marginless patterns when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The hurried way isn't the truth or the life. So he beckons us, I'm the way. The way of Jesus is much, much slower. The way of Jesus has margin, and I'm terrible at both. But when we watch the way that Jesus lived his life, we see his joy, we see his peace through uncertainty, we see his non-anxious presence, we see his relaxed manner even on the most outrageously busiest of days. And it gives us a vision of the kind of life that is possible in Jesus. When we are walking with him and he is coaching us up. It's the kind of life that we ache for, one of emotional and spiritual health. And we're thinking, I want that life. I need that life. But are we willing to adopt the lifestyle behind that life, behind the way Jesus lived? Because 
it's going to include slowing, slowing our pace and adopting his practices as our rule of life. And you may be thinking, excuse me, I am way too busy to even consider slowing my pace in any way, shape, or form. So I want to invite you to do something, because I understand how you feel. But I want you to watch and observe how Jesus operates on an extremely busy day with high demands and constant interruptions. We find it in Mark chapter 1. This is just one afternoon in Jesus' life because that morning he spent that whole first part of his day teaching some people that were very difficult and trying to trick him. That's just really hard, and he healed somebody, and now he has left the synagogue. And here we go with Jesus. After Jesus left the synagogue where the Jewish people worshipped with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. In other words, he healed her. Then the fever left her. And what does she do? She pops up and serves them this great Sunday night extraordinaire meal, right? Like tonight I know I'm having steak and baked potatoes because that's what Fitz does for me every Sunday night. It's my favorite. But I'm thinking, we have a little margin here all of a sudden. Margin happened. That busy half day slowed way down because Jesus was famous for having long meals with his friends. Now, he knows what's about to happen because look what's next. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Many. Now you're going to get a feel for how many. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. I just want you to picture something. Sometimes when we read scripture, we're like, the whole town gathered at the door to watch, and we go on to the next thing. You should be going, whoa, wait, stop everything. Because I want you to picture not the whole town, not all of Tampa, just the people that live on your street gathered in your front door to watch. Is that not overwhelming enough? Now let's broaden it. Your neighborhood. How about all of South Tampa in front spilling out into the street and everywhere else. That's what we have going on here. It's intense. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. What a day. What a day. Now you're going to see margin again. You're going to see that he is clear that he's too busy not to pray. Remember our list, the first thing to go, prayer and other, you know, reading scripture, worship. Jesus says, oh, no, I'm too busy not. So he, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, 
They said, everyone is looking for you. I mean, it just doesn't let up. But they watched what he did. They thought it was odd. It, you, they come off a little annoyed, like, this is not the time. Jesus is saying, oh, yes, this is most definitely the time for margin. Because, see, Jesus just put on display for us a busy yet non-hurried pace, didn't he? And in this busy yet non-hurried pace, he injected a healthy dose of margin, making sure that space for people and space for God were his top priorities, number one priorities. And what we see then is Jesus revealing a whole new way to be human. I mean, when you're reading these stories about him, you're always going to pick up on the fact that Jesus was constantly being interrupted. Most of the stories about Jesus are interruption stories. He's constantly being interrupted, yet he's never annoyed. His schedule is full, sometimes to the brim like this day, yet he never comes off hurried. Well, we know that this story, perhaps you've heard it before. And I've, I've certainly read it a million times before. But I've got to tell you, a few months ago, when I read it, I, it was as if I had never read it before at all. Never even seen it. Because I couldn't move past it. So I read it every single day for seven days in a row. I just sort of stayed in that place. I felt compelled to just watch Jesus. I mean, I was in awe. And I knew that he wanted me to watch him closely. Because scripture is a mirror. And whenever you read scripture, you not only see what God is like, and certainly we're seeing that. But you also see yourself. And oh, he was showing me myself. Jesus was tutoring me with this passage. Because I could resonate with his busy schedule. Full, robust, a lot going on. But unlike Jesus... I realized and was confronted with the truth that I was hurrying from one thing to the next and living with little or no margin in my life. It was also a very gentle invitation from Jesus without guilt or shame, but certainly telling me the truth that he was wanting me, he was nudging me to explore my motivation behind my hurried life. Well, I didn't have to look very far to see the truth that I was saying yes to all kinds of things because of my desire to please people. And people-pleasing is a failed strategy, and it was wreaking havoc on my life. And I had realized I, that I had begun slipping into a marginless, hurried life 
because of it. And Jesus was beckoning me, hey, take my lead instead. What is driving you to live with less margin than you need? To hurry more than you want to? What's driving you? I mean, it could be anything from your personality to stage of life to how you were raised. I mean, is it pleasing other people? Is it over-responsibility? Is it the reality of the season that you're in that there is someone who always needs you 24-7? Or could it be your drive to kill it in your work, in your job, or for your children to perform in a particular way? Because when we are living lives that are hurried like this, it is likely that something has gone awry in our hearts and we can no longer say that Jesus and his kingdom is first, is the driving motivation for us. And the solution, of course, to this isn't more time. That ain't happening. The solution is slowing, believe it or not. And Jesus chose slowing. He chose slowing and slowed his pace down in order to create more margin for prayer, to create more margin for going deeper in Scripture, quiet, fasting, being with other believers. These were the things that Jesus did, and his relationships his ministry, his decision-making was the fruit that came out of operating and organizing his whole life around these ways of abiding with God. It came out of all of that. That's where the fruit came from. So we know that this is, of course, a trellis. And a trellis is a structure, let me just remind you, that a vine and its branches adhere to in order to be able to flourish and grow, produce fruit, and ultimately produce a really tasty glass of wine. Yum! That's on the schedule for tonight, too. But we know that for us, these practices are the structure. These are the, this is the structure that we need to keep us connected to Jesus so that we can bear fruit in our jobs, in our ministry, in our relationships with God and with each other, so that we can bear fruit in our marriages. This is how we bear fruit as parents. This is where it comes from, the wisdom the, the energy, everything you need to be a great parent. This is our operating principle, the structure that makes our lives so fruitful. And this, the practice of slowing that we watch Jesus operate in so well, this is the commitment that makes all of this possible. So it's 
why I'm going to put this at the top. Slowing to do all these things. Now, the basic idea behind the practice of slowing is slow down your body, slow down your life. Make sense? If you slow down your body, you'll slow down your life, which is why I want to introduce to you some super fun, maybe funny, ways for you to do just that. Now, you're, you're probably not going to like it. Um, take that off. We're not ready for it yet. See, there, I, I don't want him to leave the building before I finish. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, because it's going to include, you ready for this? Choosing to put yourself in a position to wait for it. Wait. To wait. See, I knew you wouldn't like it. So we're going to start from the beginning. Let's have a, f a fun time with this. Let's try. The first one is, bring it on back. I scared you off. Drive the speed limit. I don't have any takers. Let me explain to you. We all know that you can drive two, three, four miles over the speed limit, and it's fine, right? How many of you do that? Of course. I just want you to, nine miles over. Okay, I like that. Ooh, ooh. But, and I'll probably get and follow you because I'm thinking that they got a good gig going. I want you to know that I, I told you I've been experimenting. Well, this is the one I was experimenting with. So on Church Street, it's 25 miles an hour. Okay? So I'm going down Church Street just saying, practice, practice practice so I was going 25 and there was a car behind me and it, as it got closer I could tell the person was going what is making her go so slow they were like surely there's something in front of her to cause her to actually go 25 you know and as we were doing that I realized I knew the person behind me <laughs> and the people pleaser in me was a wreck because I wanted to just speed up and make them happy and not be mad at me and I just but you know what I needed to go slow I needed to practice going slow dadgummit and so I just stayed the course and you know that person hated me for it but the next one is get into the slow lane what a choice that is you, instead of the fast lane where we all love to be, get in the slow lane in order to make this choice to slow yourself down. Remember, slow down your body, slow down your life. Fitz is shaking. It makes him so nervous. Here's one. Come to a full stop at stop signs. None of this California stop stuff, okay? The next one is don't text and drive. I'm going to confess. Years ago, years ago, I think Jamie was still single. I'm going down Bay to Bay, and my son pulls up next to me. He pulls up his phone, and he goes like that. And I went, and then he laughed at me, and I went, delete. I didn't do that anymore. He was right, and I was so horrified and embarrassed. The next one is a personal favorite. You're going to like this. Get in the longest checkout line. 
This is good stuff, guys, because when you get in the longest checkout line, and a group of us, our life group tested this one out, we did it all together, it's a chance to take inventory of your soul. <laughs> You're not buying it. Well, I'm just here to tell you, <laughs> I've tried it, and I'm, it's like you discover things. Oh, gosh, I'm really hot and bothered right now, or I'm doing great. But it's also a chance to care for the checkout person or maybe the person in line with you, to be a source of encouragement to them. The next one is keep your phone off until you've spent time with Jesus in the morning. We've talked about that before. Single task. A lot of us have pride in multitasking. But you know what single tasking does? It forces us, and again, we're choosing these things. We choose to be laser-focused in the moment. Alex talked about being present. I think Burton did too. Being present. Being present with God, being present with other people around us, and being present to our own soul. Yeah. The next one, after single-tasking, is walking slower. Again, you slow down your body, you slow down your life. That's why I'm asking us to practice, practice these things. The next one, take a regular day alone for silence and solitude. And most of you are looking at me with blank stares. The ones who know me well know that I often invite folks to do this. And what this is is, that's my wish for young moms, for dads to take the kids on a Saturday and a young mom to go and be alone with Jesus. That's my wish for college students to take that day with Jesus and move themselves out of the fray because we know mental illness is a thing on college campuses and it's an epidemic. That's my wish for business people so that the bottom line of their life is more important to them than the bottom line of their work life. I wish all of you would do this. And I'm asking you to come up with a list Make up your own list. Because what if Jesus is right? What if Jesus totally knows what he's talking about when he's nudging us to slow this thing down and create more margin in our life so that our life comes out of this, not out of Kathy's steam? So if you're brave and courageous, I'd like you to make your own list, but I'd also like to guide you through a prayer right now, where you're just real with Jesus about this challenge and these things. So please close your eyes, and I want you to let the chair completely hold you up. Don't try to hold it. It's there to hold you. I see your eyes open. I want them closed. Close them. You hear movement around you. That's fine. Just let it be what it is. Take a deep deep breath and take another deep breath drop your jaw drop your shoulders drop your legs into the chair let it hold you you don't need to hold it your hands your forehead let go and I want you to imagine Jesus's hand on your shoulder. I want you to hear him say these words 
to you. Are you tired of the way that you've been doing it and you want rest for your soul? I am the way. I am the way. Follow me. Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll find me in the slow lane. You'll find me on your day apart. You'll find me when you go into a purposeful slowing on the road where we can hang out. And I will help you recover your life. I'll show you how to slow down. Walk with me. Don't run. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Imitate me. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Slow down and I will make you new and fresh. Let me care for you in this way. And then just respond to Jesus with a simple sentence. Yes, Jesus. Show me how to slow down and create margin. Or no, Jesus. I'm not ready for that yet. Just be honest. He's gotcha. And take another deep breath and let it be the beginning of more breath, more life, as you practice slowing and take Jesus' lead. Amen. Let's stand together.